0: 12 pack radio get excited y'all
1: hello and welcome back to 12 pack radio the most interesting podcast in the world covering pack 12 football news this is brian conger the host of wildcat radio thanks for tuning in you can subscribe to the podcast for free on google play TuneIn radio uh not SoundCloud. What's the other one? Apple Podcasts. Any podcast catcher out there, we are there. You can also listen to the podcast for free on our website, WildcatRadioAZ.com. And that's where Rob Bauron's advanced statistical model, the beta rank numbers are on. So you can dig the Pac-12 advanced statistics, ACC, Independence, any Division I team. We are up there. You should check it out, WildcatRadioAZ.com. And follow the podcast for free on Twitter at 12 Pack Radio, 1-2-P-A-C Radio. Thanks to everybody that has gone back and forth with Rob who's handling that account it's nice to talk to our listeners and um, let's just get into it a really fun week only four games but three of them were awesome and we're definitely going to break down each team and let's go to you Rob first as somebody who has a an invested interest in figuring out what's going on uh, from an advanced statistical standpoint I'm sure that having uh, conference play finally start has to be a boon to you and the beta rank model and all those numbers right?
2: Yeah, we're up to, uh, it's the, the current model is 42% in-season data, which is great. Um, we actually go up above 50 after this week. And then after that, I feel like I have enough data and the uh, exponential function I built uh, will uh, kick us up to 85 uh, after week six and then a hundred uh, percent, in season data in week seven. So we're, we're closing in on, uh, just relying on in season data. The model itself had a, actually a very good week, uh, about 52% against the spread, um, which is very good for this early in the season. Um, yeah, and there's a, there's a lot of good—like, uh, the, the model was right about where Washington State was. Um, I didn't trust the model, and I was wrong. Arizona State—or Arizona was that much better than Oregon State. Um, they were, I mean, shockingly right, I guess, on Stanford. I did not think that that was going to be right for most of that game. Um but man, what happened up in, in Seattle? <laughs> <laughs> but,
1: but I want to get into that. Cause uh, there, I have so many criticisms the, our friends of the dog, butt are going to go nuts. But, um, Rick, let's talk big picture here. We had so many games and by so many, I mean four games before great games. What stood out for you in the big picture standpoint?
0: I think just overall, just how competitive each of these games were. Like Rob was saying, we had teams on opposite ends of the beta ranking spectrum here, but all of these games were still very competitive. Um, Uh, You know, you have an an Oregon-Stanford game that goes into overtime. There's a a tip pass for for a touchdown to win in overtime. Very exciting. Close game, Washington State and USC. Close game, Washington and ASU. Overall, I think that it just kind of sets the the table for the Pac-12 slate and just how much this this season is going to come down to those singular wins and losses for one of these teams.
1: If you're a gambler, and we will get into the Lions. Yeah, anyway, everyone raises their hand. Uh, the, the one thing to keep in mind is that the team that you saw in the previous week is neither as good or as worse as the team that you're going to see in the coming week. So the more games that we have under our belt, the better. And a perfect example is Oregon State. Like, Oregon State was competitive against Nevada. Now I know Nevada isn't great, but they were on the road with a new coach and that stuff. And I was quite impressed by the way, by the way that they played. And, you know, they, they got embarrassed at, at Ohio State, but at least they put up 30 points, which was I was pretty excited about. But the one thing we knew about Oregon State is that their defense was so, so bad. And that was certainly exposed against Arizona, who just put up, I think it was like more than 300 yards of rushing on Oregon State. Let's talk about Oregon State real fast, because, uh, Rob, are we seeing the cellar dweller already? I mean, <laughs> I know I just said that, like, you know, the week prior isn't as, in, as indicative, but, like, Man, they just got waxed on so many ways and their trench play, which we've been really harping on this podcast over and over again, is if you don't have the play in the trenches, your team will likely not be good. And it wasn't as if Arizona's trench play was uh, was stellar. So are you worried about Oregon State if you're a Beaver fan?
2: you should be. I mean this this performance was not good. We knew their defense was terrible um, coming into this game. Uh, but their offense had shown signs of life. I really thought the play calling was improved uh, coming into this year, but they Arizona's defense is also not great and they had a they had a very good game actually against Oregon State. So I'd be a little concerned if I was an Oregon State fan. Um, this Arizona, you know, game was probably looked like one of the more winnable games on their schedule, um, as it is now. I mean, they're probably looking at maybe Colorado, uh, you know, as maybe and maybe Cal as their next most winnable game. So they uh, they've got a tough tough road to hoe to uh, win a Pac-12 game. Yeah,
1: if you picked Oregon State in our Survivor Pool, kudos to you. Because if you didn't, man, you're looking down the barrel right now. It doesn't look quite good. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see where they could get a win. You know, bouncing around the state of Oregon, I thought Oregon really showed up, particularly in the first half. Um, full full disclosure on my end, I actually passed out. Uh, not not of nefarious reasons. I just fell asleep uh, for the second half of that game and woke up about four minutes before overtime. So, like, I missed half of it. I loved in that first first half, though, Rick, and I'll throw it to you because I know you watch this game, just the way that that front seven of Oregon really was able to bottle up Stanford, at least in the first half. Now, uh, I have been high on Oregon. I think Rob's been high on Oregon. Rick, what, what did you think about Oregon coming to, into the season, and what did you think of the way that they showed up against Stanford? Because I thought Stanford was going to just boat race them this week.
0: Yeah, I think the expectations for Oregon coming into the season were probably set a little bit lower. Um, on our end than they, they should have been. Um, I think that anytime you have a quarterback of Justin Herbert's status, that you can really do a lot of things on offense. And I think that we kind of overlooked that a little bit in our previews, just because we, we weren't really sure what direction this, this Oregon duck offense was going to take under, under this new coaching staff. Um, But Justin Herbert opens up a lot of options for you. And I think that he's going to be a top 10 pick in the NFL draft this next year, and I think that uh, you know a lot of those scouts are going to look at this game film and this game tape as a reason why they can justify taking him in the top ten of that of that first round. He had an absolutely phenomenal game: twenty six of thirty three, three hundred forty six yards, and a touchdown. Uh, he was the one who kept the ducks in it. Uh, he managed the offense really efficiently. And, uh, is if if Oregon's offense can continue to operate at this high level, their defense isn't going to let a lot of teams, they're not going to face Stanford eight more times, you know, down the PAC 12 slate. So they're going to be there right until the end. And, you know, this, like, like I said, it's really who wins the PAC 12 this year is going to come down to these singular games. Um, and Stanford just happened to to get lucky at the right time and overtime to, to win this one.
1: Rob, I have, two questions for you. I have one statement and one question. First, the statement is I loved... The post game interview of David Shaw when he walks up and his smile, like he didn't have to say a word and his face just excuse like exuded, <laughs> like it was it was awesome. Just that smile, like that smirk. He's like, "Oh yeah, man, we got away with that one." Uh, and, and he handled himself so professionally, but he had that like that uh, kid at Christmas look on his face as he walked up to the camera. It was awesome. I, I really thought that was great. Uh, the question I have for you is on Justin Herbert because. I know that as we approach this year, Herbert really hadn't done well against anybody of note. I mean, he really he torched bad teams and then really didn't play against good teams because he was injured. Did this do enough to give you some pause as you move forward and just in terms of I don't want to like I don't want to talk about NFL comparisons and stuff. But in this in the sense of him being just really good enough to be an NFL draft pick, does that give you uh, enough to kind of lay some laurels on or do you want to see some more games?
2: No, I'm, I'm sold after what I saw. Herbert was fantastic in that game. Um, he, in, in that offense, uh, he, he took what was given him. Uh, he had a, his completion percentage, which was bad against Bowling Green. Uh, and San Jose State was just off the charts against Stanford. Um, and that Oregon offense jumped all the way up to number 22 in beta rank. Um, the, the caution I would have about the Ducks is their special teams are terrible um it's a bit of a small sample on special teams thus far uh, even as we get more and more data in but uh it's really crushing oregon's ranking right now their special teams are ranked at 102 uh they really have to improve um otherwise it's going to you know cause sneaky death to a very good offense and a pretty good defense
1: <laughs> and we'll get more into this game in a little bit but asu like still bringing a little <laughs> bit of noise man i i i'm not gonna lie i was impressed I was more impressed with ASU than I was um, less impressed with Washington. And I was less impressed with Washington, if that makes sense. Rick, did you have a chance to see any of this game?
0: Yeah, I I watched it while I was at the gym, so I didn't have any audio. But uh, every time I looked up uh, and the the score was still within striking range for ASU, I had to do a double take. You know, I'm in the locker room and I'm like, does that say 28 to 20? Uh, Because it should say 48 to 20. Uh, I didn't understand how this uh, Herm Edwards coach Sun Devil team uh, was able to go up and play at the level that they played at in Washington. And I think when you look at the overall statistics, it really boils down to ASU's defense and how uh, they've been able to kind of exceed all expectations coming into the season so far. And anytime you have a defense that can keep you in, in a game, Uh, the offense kind of works itself out. We knew that ASU's offense was going to be pretty powerful based on the returning stars that they had, Uh, but the fact that their defense is matching that effort is going to have ASU win a couple more games that they probably shouldn't this year. Uh, You know, they didn't come up on the the winning end of this one, but they, they definitely had an opportunity to do so.
1: All right, let's take a deep dive into these teams in a segment that we call The Sleazy Bets. Hey, um, can I get some Pac-12 gambling advice up in here? Is William Shatner?
0: You want it? Pac-12 gambling lines? You got it. Nice. You want it? Maybe. Just bust a move. Okay.
1: All right, it is the sleazy bet segment where we go through every game in the Pac-12 Make our picks against the spread, and we talk about the games that happened in the prior week. If you are listening for our contest updates, fear not—we got your back. That's going to happen about halfway through when we shift over to the second slate of games for the Pac-12. But let's get into this Friday, 6 p.m. Fox Sports One. UCLA is a ten and a half point favorite at Colorado. Neither of these teams played last week. Uh, we got the full Montez, baby. We've, we've been calling our shot. From the beginning of this podcast, uh, when we were we were talking about Colorado and the opportunity that Steven Montes had, these wide receivers against uh, the Fighting Chip Kellys that look like a mess, man. Like, are are they in in burn it down mode right now? Is Chip Kelly just basically saying, "Look, I don't care about any of these players. I'm going to do my thing"? Or is there serious problems going on at UCLA, Rick? Uh,
0: there's serious problems going on right now at UCLA. They're only averaging about 18 points per game on offense. Um, and they're going to be going against a Colorado defense that has been proven to kind of shut down that run. So it, who, Ten and a half points seems uh, a pretty generous to, to me to say the least. Um, UCLA is going to get waxed this year. And I know we've been talking a lot about Oregon State being the the bottom dweller of the Pac-12, but UCLA is definitely going to give them a run for their money.
1: They look real bad. I'm going to push back on the run defense here because I want to see Colorado do it against a good team because they were were the (laughs) team that that ignited Khalil Tate's career. I mean, that that run defense was so bad last year. Um, But they do look better, and I do agree with you on that. But I do want to see what they do uh, in the Pac-12 in conference season. So I do think this will be a good matchup and a good test because I think Kelly will try to run the ball. And um, if if he does continue to run up against Colorado, can Colorado stop it? So I do think there, there's a good point to be made there. The one thing I want to mention, Rick, before I throw it to you, Rob, is your question at the beginning of the year when we were going through our season win totals. You said... Where are, you know, we don't have a, a ex-rapper son complaining. We don't have uh strength coaches throwing, you know, dumbbells at people. Where is the distraction? I mean, well, we have Dorian Thompson Robinson's dad criticizing Chip Kelly openly. So we found it. We finally found our answer. <laughs>
0: I mean, there's like three things that are guaranteed in life, right? Death, taxes, and Hollywood going nuts.
1: In. I look. I haven't watched enough UCLA. I look forward to doing that more this year to know whether or not I agree with the X's and O's of what Dorian Thompson Robinson's dad is saying. But what I can say is, Holy Moses, they cannot move the football. And, uh, and but it could be because of uh, Dorian Thompson Robinson. I don't know. What do you think, Rob?
2: So I mean, this this UCLA team, it has the problems we talked about, you know, in the preview of the season, which is it's the Lions. I mean, they simply don't have the depth of the useful talent on the offensive and def- defensive lines to really, you know, give either the backs uh, or the quarterback really time to throw. Um, I think this line is bananas. I mean, Colorado, Colorado is, I don't know that they're 12 points better than UCLA at this point. And I say that, and I know that everybody, <laughs> everybody is high on Colorado right now, but Nebraska, it turns out is not a good football team at all. Um, mm-hmm. And Colorado State lost at home to Illinois State, which is an FCS team. So Colorado's wins are not so good. Um, The model currently has this as a toss-up game right now, uh, heading into this. So I, I don't know. Like Colorado could very well show up and prove it, and I think I'm excited to see both of these teams who, you know, had a week off, but. Um, I don't know that any team in the country could have used a bye week more than UCLA, or, and it, it came right at the right time for them to try to, I, I think, install more of this offense with Dorian Thompson Robinson. Uh, I'll be interested to see if they are able to look, you know, mildly competent on the offensive side of the ball.
0: I do think. I, I, yeah. I, go ahead. I, I just wanted to, to kind of push a little bit, though, as as far as the, you know, not really having faith in Colorado's offense. Uh, UCLA's faced one really good quarterback already this year in Kyler Murray, and uh, you know he torched them for 306 yards, three touchdowns. They I don't see any reason. Why, yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't see any reason why Montez is <laughs> going to pass all over this secondary even more so than than Kyler Murray. So, um, you know, we'll we'll get into our picks here shortly, but I don't know about I don't know about that thought process of, of ten and a half points not being enough.
2: The one thing if, that. I, if, mm? If Steven Montez and this Colorado offense finish anywhere near Kyler Murray and that Oklahoma offense— I'll eat a hat, like any hat you can. <laughs> like what? Are, what in the world? Like Darren Chivieri or whatever the guy's last name is is not even in the same league of a play caller as uh, Lincoln Riley. Like I, no, no, I was, no. no. I, like
0: okay, like, <laughs> fair. I'm. I, I will. No, I was not comparing Colorado's <laughs> offense to Oklahoma's like, offense. It was a singular comparison <laughs> of a singular
2: quarterback to another singular quarterback. And that's Steven all. I'm Montez saying. is not cashing checks for the Oakland A's.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I I would add to that on the in the sense that if UCLA's defense has any any semblance of uh, competency it's it's the secondary which, which isn't speaking high of UCLA's defense, but we know that their offense, their defensive line is a mess. I guess you can make the case for the linebackers. You know, if the defensive line is doing so poorly that the linebacking core is being uh, asked to do more than it should be doing, I guess that's the sense too. But it will be interesting to see, like, I, I don't think Steven Montez is in the same league as Kyler Murray, but I do think he's a talented quarterback and he does have a talented wide receiving core. I do think LaVisca Chenault is, is really, really good. I mean, even, even though he's playing against teams that aren't at the same level as he is, like he's torching them, like he's just destroying them. So it'll be interesting to see who UCLA puts on him or if they double him or do something, but there are other wide receiving uh, targets for Montez to throw there. My concern is the run defense of Colorado. Can Colorado's run defense uh, stop UCLA if they decide to hit the ground? Because if I were Chip Kelly, I would uh, hit the ground running against uh, Colorado and see if they can actually stop anybody this year. Uh, I'm trying to think of other aspects to this game. What what else should people be looking for, Rob?
2: Yeah, I think people's – UCLA's defense – is a little underrated and I say that, I mean, they, they had a decent game against an ex- I mean, excellent, excellent, excellent Oklahoma offense. Like Oklahoma's offense is going to finish in the top five nationally. Again, Um they, had, again, like they had a decent game against Fresno state. Like the offense really did a in that game. Like Fresno state, had a terrific starting field position. Um, UCLA had a couple turnovers. I mean, I think Dorian Thompson Robinson had like, you know 30 percent completion rate in that game so this defense will actually end up being the best that colorado has faced so far this year by a pretty wide margin uh, even with the problems that ucla has had on their defensive line so i will be interested to see this i don't know that we're gonna we're gonna come out of this game and be able to say like i really feel like i have a full handle on where colorado is given that where you we think ucla is but Um, I am excited to see them step up in competition from Nebraska and Colorado State.
1: The other thing to mention is that Colorado's secondary is often seen as the strongest portion of that Mm -hmm. entire team. And who is Dorian Thompson Robinson on the road going to throw to at UCLA? <laughs> like, this could be put eight in the box and just nine in the box, 10 in the box, like just have two yeah. safeties running around in the secondary. Like, it could get that bad if, if he can't put it together, because I don't trust Robinson as far as I can throw him. Rob, are you uh, or Rick, are you a fan of Robinson? Do you think he can pull it together on the road?
0: I don't think uh, UCLA has any other choice. I mean, Devin Motster just transferred out of the program. So, I mean, there goes Dorian, uh, you know, his, his, his backup, you, you know, at, at, at this point, I think it, it's, it's not a match made in heaven for, for Chip Kelly, you know, neither one of these guys asked for each other. So it's, it's going to be interesting to see if they're able to tweak the offense to the point where, uh, you know, t- Everyone is satisfied, dad included. I don't think it's going to happen on the road at Colorado. It might happen before the end of the season. But uh, in my in my opinion, this, this game is going to be more of the same.
1: Ten and a half points is a lot of points, though. If it was ten, I would totally take Colorado. That half point makes me a little bit nervous. I am going to take Colorado. I just don't trust this ucla offense i don't trust the ucla defense i at least trust montez in the wide receiving core and that secondary so i think there are some things to point to with colorado i don't know if they're a 10 and a half point fate like ten and a half points better than ucla at this point but just based on the track record so far against bad competition give me colorado uh who are you taking rick
0: i'm taking colorado i eh? You know, on the road, it's it's so tough to play in uh, in, in that Folsom stadium uh, or Folsom field. And there's so many issues on this UCLA team right now that it's not something that they're just going to be able to solve in a week. So I, I, I see them losing pretty big in this one, actually. I, I probably would have taken them at like minus 13 and a half or even, you know, minus 14 and a half.
1: Okay. Rob, anything else that we should cover of this Colorado team and and UCLA game and who are you taking?
2: Uh no, I think we've covered it. I mean, vocally. <laughs> I am uh I, I'm gonna take UCLA in this game actually. I, I think that the offense comes out a little bit improved. I don't think that um I think Colorado is going to have a bit more of a challenge than they were expecting in this game
1: yeah that extra week to prepare is is always a bonus so it'll be interesting to see if they can actually put something together moving on to Saturday I don't have a time or a station for this yet but BYU at Washington Washington is a 16 and a half point favorite they played ASU and let's talk about that game here I was impressed with ASU I thought they did a great job uh, considering where they were Seattle is not an easy place to play um, that defense I really thought stepped it up now. Washington's defense also stepped up. I think one thing to keep in mind, you know, I took the spread. I really thought Washington was going to wipe the floor with ASU. The one thing that was frustrating is that basically Washington played not to lose about halfway through the game, and they almost lost. Like that always drives me nuts. Like just friggin' play. Like don't don't rain rain it in. And that certainly looked to be the case with Peterson. I watched this entire game. I was kind of worried about that. But uh, Rick, you're looking at an ASU team with Herm Edwards coming in. They had some poise. The defense played well. I, I just, I think there's a lot to like here if you're an ASU fan. I don't think they're going to light the roll on fire. They probably won't win the South. But uh, if you're an ASU fan, are you pleased with the effort they showed at Washington?
0: Uh, definitely. Oh, yeah. I'm definitely pleased with the effort of the team so far this year. Um, I, I think that it's going to be a different case. Um, moving forward with Herm Edwards as a coach, unless he can prove to be a dynamic recruiter, I think the number one thing that Herm Edwards has going for him uh, at this point is that he's hired a, a really great coaching staff around him. But uh, the recruiting class really hasn't come to fruition, and uh, you know the word around the, at least the local word around as far as high school recruiting is that ASU isn't putting in the same effort that they were under Todd Graham to to get into the local high schools and that didn't really pr- produce much that that effort from top gram at least not locally so if herm edwards has decided to kind of ignore the state of arizona um uh, you know what's that going to do for the program i know that he's got you know all the traditional you know like that number 15 through number 25 prospect i think he's got three or four of those guys from the state but uh he's really going to have to start to reel in some big fish if he's going to want to be able to compete in the Pac-12. And I don't know if he has the temperament to do that, but as far as like this year is concerned, yeah, issue fans should be really excited about what they have going
1: on. Rob Jake Browning. 15, this is the perfect Jake Browning <laughs> stat line. Like this is, It's one of those where if you don't watch the game, you're like, oh, he had a great game, man, 15-22, 202 yards, three touchdowns, zero interceptions. But, man, if you watch that game, you can just tell he does not have what it takes to make this Washington team elite, or at least that's what I think. Do you, do you have the same impression of him? What do you think about Jake Browning?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think we came into this game kind of feeling like maybe – and maybe we were overreacting to a small sample from that San Diego state game that Arizona state's defense maybe, you know, wasn't going to be great this season. Still had some building to do for Danny Gonzalez, but Oh man, they made Washington look pretty bad. Uh, And they jumped up uh, considerably in the rankings up to 41 and they were in the sixties last week. So uh, good for Danny Gonzalez's crew. Uh, They had a good game plan. Um, Browning. Yeah. he, He completed most of his passes, but Um, I don't think any at any point Jake Browning was really changing the game or, or, you know, given this particular given the level of talent he has around him. um, You just kind of feel like, you know, that Washington could maybe do better with another guy. It's I'm
1: just like the one thing he does do well is when he's out of the pocket. He's good at throwing that quick pass to somebody. A perfect example was the touchdown pass he had K to Cade uh, Otten in the corner of the end zone. I think it was in the fourth, third or fourth quarter. That was that was good. Uh, it seems like he'll pull a rabbit out of his hat a little bit. But it's not like he's—he doesn't look good doing that. Right? He's like running out. You're like, oh, my gosh, he is going to break a leg or something. And then all of a sudden he throws a like a 20-yard pass. I, I, th- I think one thing to keep in mind, though, is this rushing attack. I thought that Washington was going to be solid coming in this year. They had a really good offensive line. You have Miles Gaskin in this game. He had 21 carries for 86 yards. He averaged about four yards a carry. Salvin Ahmed, 10, 10 carries for 71 yards. Had a better statistical night. But I just thought that that Washington was going to be able to run the ball down ASU's throat. And you saw S- uh, San Diego State do that. like. ASU could not stop San Diego state one lick that entire game. And so the reason I thought Washington was going to just blow the doors off this game is because they have a, a solid rushing attack, but this is probably the fourth game in a row where I look at that attack and just go, eh, like not nearly as good as I thought. And that could spell trouble for them winning the Pac-12 North. Are you as concerned about their rushing game, Rick?
0: Yeah. And I, not only their rushing game, but I think just their offense overall in general, um, they're not blowing anybody out. You know what I mean? Um, I, granted yeah north north dakota but we're not going to worry about that but uh it seems like they're just kind of like you said earlier like they're just kind of playing to win and they take the foot off the gas uh, and that's not they're not going to be able to do that and win the pac 12 north as as we've seen this year there's going to be some competition there in stanford and Oregon. washington's going to have to learn how to put teams away and put them away early and their running game is going to have to be a huge part of that so if Miles Gaskin can't start getting the the the, the offense rolling early, Washington's going to end up struggling against one of these teams, whether it's this week against BYU or at Oregon, they, they play Stanford later in the season. Something's going to give. And, and Washington was supposed to be the, the representative of the Pac-12 this year. And, they're, they're not playing like it, at least not offensively.
1: The one thing to keep in mind is that defense is so, so nasty. Ben Burkerman 20 tackles! He had 20 tackles in this game! Uh, and the forced fumble, I think it was in the fourth quarter or the third quarter, it was a really big forced fumble that he had, tackle for a loss. Great gains, we had questions about whether or not he can fill in for Vita Vea, and I don't think anybody can, but he's still fairly good. Seven tackles, that's pretty big for a 300-pound man, uh, tackle for a loss. I uh, That's the one thing that Washington has going for. What do the numbers look like with this Washington Defense, uh, Rob.
2: this Washington defense has uh, been holding steady in the top twenty all season. Uh, they're coming in number thirteen right now in the most recent beta rank. They've uh, they haven't really missed a beat, for, um, and that's maybe not something you could definitely say about the offense with the coordinator switch. So Washington's got a new offensive and defensive coordinator this season. Uh, the defense has really been playing uh, up to, up to speed, uh, just like they were last year. A little improved off last year, actually.
1: Okay. Uh, moving to Arizona State, Manny Wilkins was 17 for 27. He averaged four yards a pass. <laughs> That's ridiculous. That's so stupid. Uh, and a rushing touchdown. Enkil uh, Harry, Nikhil Harry five receptions 20 yards they just could not get anything going through the ground or i mean through the air um you know benjamin though 26 carries for 100 yards he really had a tough four games three games coming into this game and really stepped it up a little bit Treylon smith though two fumbles that was really brutal the juco transfer uh, coming in on defense one player to, to keep in mind uh, keep in mind merlin robinson 14 i'm sorry 11 tackles one sack and a tackle for a loss he was everywhere in this game the one other thing I want to mention is the announcers. Like, we don't need to pretend that clock management in the NFL is, like, on another planet as clock management in college football. Like, this entire game, they kept talking about, oh, like, the way that, the way that, uh, Herm Edwards is calling this in the NFL, like, just, just drop it, man. He's a coach. He'll be fine. Uh, and I'm actually, like, kind of excited that he, he hasn't stumbled. <laughs> <laughs> like a million times, so uh, but it, it, it can we just drop this this act this kabuki theater that the NFL experience is really shining through with Herm Edwards? I a Rick am I being over the top. He's
0: he's an ESPN guy. He's going to get all the love that uh, he's he's earned over the you know the course of his career the last decade. So it's uh, ASU should take advantage of it. It's definitely one of the uh, the big selling points of Herm Edwards was that he had a fabulous NFL career as a head coach. So uh, at least for the first season, that's all the announcers are going to talk about. You know, (laughs) if uh, if if we if he gets a little bit more established, then maybe the narrative changes a little bit.
1: Yeah, that's fair. All right. Let's uh, let's make the pick. So 17 and a half, 16 and a half points. That's a lot. It's a lot on the road at BYU. I'm still going to take Washington. What do you think, Rick? Well, it's at Washington. Oh, yeah. Then I'm going to take Washington. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah,
0: I'm 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 still kind of confused as to how this BYU team snuck into the top twenty five. Obviously that win against Wisconsin is was, was huge, but you know, McNeese State, they, they handled their business this week. I, I'm still really concerned that Washington just for whatever reason doesn't want to blow teams away. And with BYU sneaking into that top twenty five, this is gonna be um, you know, probably one of the the, the bigger touted matchups of the week now I I like Washington to to win but but maybe not necessarily blow them out so I'm going to go ahead and uh, take BYU and and the points
1: yeah I think the reason I'm taking Washington is I just don't see how this BYU team scores against Washington this isn't a vote of confidence for the offense getting it together this is a vote of confidence in the defense so we'll see if they can really keep the keep the shutdown uh rocking and rolling what do you think rock
2: yeah, so Washington's an 83 percent favorite in this game. At Beta Rank, they've got an 83 percent win probability. That's not, however, 17 points. <laughs> um, so I'll take uh, I'll take BYU in this game. I, I think that um, Washington uh, Washington pro- I mean probably gives up you know maybe 10 points, but scores you know 22 23.
1: Okay, let's move on here. Saturday, 3 p.m., Pac-12 Network. Utah is a one-and-a-half-point dog going into the Palouse of Washington State. Washington, ha- Washington State had a really good, fun game down in the Coliseum against USC. USC 39, Wazoo 36. R- Rob, you you were kind of assigned to, to watch this game. I think we all watched it, but uh, what, what happened here? Because this was really fun to watch.
2: No, I mean, up until that Stanford-Oregon game, I thought, wow, what a great game. This is the game of the early Pac-12 season. (laughs) Um, It was back and forth all night. Um, USC really, you know, having to put it just enough together uh, to win the game. Um, JT Daniels actually had, uh, he was a little shaky at first, but uh, seemed to, you know, kind of come together at the end. um, And ended up putting together probably his best game, 17-26 um, with three touchdowns, uh, really a, a much improved game from him from what we had seen in the previous weeks. But what uh, my big question coming into this week was, uh, what does Washington State's offense look like against a very good defense? And we found out they they stood the test. Uh, Gardner Minshew, I think, is an improvement uh, on uh, the way Luke Falk was playing at the end of last year. I think Washington State's receivers looked terrific. They made a ton of great catches in that game. Um, and Minchie was just very efficient. He had 37 completions out of 52 attempts in that game, three touchdowns again, um, looked like he had terrific command of the offense, uh, and they just, you know, couldn't quite pull it out in the end. Um. I think that uh, with w- the way Washington State's playing if their offense continues to progress like they're a sneaky dangerous team that um, could definitely have a say on, I don't know that they win the North race with the way Stanford and, and Washington and maybe Oregon looks but they could easily knock off one of those teams and uh, change the way we, we think about that North race
1: I think two things to comment on with this game here the first was that JT Daniels finally realized that he had other wide receivers to speak to what you were saying Rob. Yes. <laughs> he, he had I don't know if you remember playing that Madden, uh, I forget what year it was, where you had the quarterback vision, and you could actually get to, like, you know, turn the guy's head. Like, he always has his vision on Amon Ross St. Brown, and this was the first time where it was nice to see, like, hey, you have a plethora of four- and five-star wide receivers on your team. Please, for the love of God, use them, and he did. So that that was encouraging. I think the second thing was this USC offensive and defensive line got pushed around again against Washington State. Yes, they put up a lot of points, but it was I had major questions about both lines on both teams, and it seems as if Washington State has a better offense and defensive line than I thought, and USC has a worse offensive and defensive line as I thought, and that kind of uh, bared out during this game. Do, do you agree, Rick? Like, w- would you be concerned about either of these lines here?
0: Um, I don't know if I would be moving forward, actually. I think that they kind of did a, a really good job of canceling each other out for this game. I think probably the overall takeaway. F- for me was that Washington state is going to be able to score a lot of points this year, uh, regardless of of the defense that they're facing. Um, I, I, you know, with, with USC, Porter Houston is obviously the driving force there. Um, And Washington state was really kind of able to, to circumvent that. So USC did what they needed to do to win the game. I think that USC will probably get the, their offensive line issues ironed out here in the next couple of weeks But uh, Washington State is just going to continue to put up points, and I think that that's going to bode really well for them going down the line, especially as they start to face some of these tougher defenses.
1: Yeah, Aesop Winston looked awesome. Six receptions, 143 yards, 23.8 yards per carry, two touchdowns. Uh, and it just shows you the talent that Mike Leach has been able to bring in. Uh, I know, Rob, that you were a little bit more down on the wide receivers of Washington State. I just think that he tends to bring in good players. And um, and and Winston is another example of how when you spread out five guys wide, one of them's going to be open. And he really found his target with Minshew uh, finding Winston. It's funny because like Tay Martin, the best wide receiver on that team three receptions for one yard like that's insane Um, and the other part of the team stepped up one other question I have for you Rob is the rushing of USC they had 113 total yards like this is four games in a row where the rushing just looks pedestrian at best did you find anything encouraging here I think Stephen Carr at least was a bright spot
2: yeah, I mean, I think that when you look at this, though, that there's a lot of negative plays in there. I mean, JT Daniels had two fumbles. They had those. I mean, yeah, on, on bad true. snaps. Um, so it's not as bad if you just look at the way Malapaya and Stephen Carr ran in the game. Um, you know, Malapaya was able to put up six yards of carry. Stephen Carr was putting up nine point six yards of carry. The thing is, is between those two guys, they only got twenty one carries. Like that's crazy. Yeah,
1: yeah. Um,
2: that doesn't make any. I mean. The the announcers were saying like you at, at the half like USC had 100 yards rushing if you just looked at the running backs and then if you took out you know the the stupid plays, um, but the announcers are like USC only has 40 yards rushing the ball. Um, I think that we need to, you know USC could have run the ball this in in this game a lot more than they did. Um, it just really makes you wonder what's going on with the play calling there because not being not going back and running the ball when you you were able to do it fairly effectively and relying on a true freshman. I mean, yeah, they won this game, but I mean they made it a lot harder than maybe it should have been.
1: Anything else, Rick, on this game? No. All right. Utah they cannot move that football. I mean it is it is embarrassingly. Uh, depressing. (laughs) See what's happened the last couple of games. Now, maybe they figure it out. Maybe they change up the play calling. I know I've been listening to the Utah Man podcast and they've been talking and really harping on the fact that Utah is not running the football as nearly as much as they should. And Zach Moss is an excellent back. Um, I don't think their offensive line is is good. And I think Utah fans would agree on that front that that's not been the case, but you got to at least try. And I think them trying to, I think they call it the iPhone offense, which is... It just sounds so stupid. Um, <laughs> just so I heard that. Like, what? What the heck is that? Um, but their defense is so good. Like, they really do have a strong defense, and the defensive line, which I had questions about, looks like it really is the real deal yet again. Um, But on, at the road, like on the road, at the Palouse, Washington State has a significantly better defense than I thought that they would, and their offense—they can really move this ball. I think when. I'm trying to match these teams up. I'm going to take Washington state just because they're the home team, because I think this is a really fun game to watch. It's going to be on three on at 3 PM. So definitely check it out. Uh, Rick, who, who would you take in this game and what are some key factors in picking?
0: Yeah, no. So I I think that this is really kind of where Utah's defense is going to really start to break. I mean, they haven't really allowed more than one score, you know, with the exception of that Washington game. Um, but this is kind of a different beast, right, as far as this Washington State team is concerned. They're going to score on you. You don't beat Washington State by, by keeping them to a one or a two-score game. It's just not going to happen. Um, and Utah's offense has just been meh. Um, so the contributing factor for me is going to be a lot of offense scored by Washington State, not a lot scored by Utah. So I, I, I think that this game's actually going to be a blowout, and I, I'm going to take Washington State
1: all day. The one thing to keep in mind is that Utah has one of the best secondaries in the Pac-12, but it's just can they hold off a Washington State passing attack that looks quite good. Like last year, Rob, we were talking about how Inefficient. this passing offense is. It looks like they've turned the corner on that, right?
2: Yeah, I mean, a big problem last year was that they didn't quite have the completion percentage that you need if you're throwing the ball that often. Um, and Minshew really looks like he's got that sort of solved out. He had a 70% completion percentage against USC, who also has a good defense. So um, the tough thing for Utah is, anyway, even when we do the preview, we're going and we're talking about your you know, we might get to your third string cornerback and we definitely talk about his fourth string, but we don't really, think, you know, factor in like on the grade, like, Hey, you know, if you have to, do, if you have to, perform, who are you bringing out? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I don't know that you uh, is going to, has the depth in their secondary to, uh, to cover Washington wide receivers, you know, who made some great catches and Minchie was going to spread the ball around. He is not going to focus on one or two guys.
1: No, absolutely. Uh, I just—it's this is probably like there's a lot of games this week, and I know probably these two teams aren't going to contend for the Pac-12, but I think this is the most fun game of the week. So, uh, so who are you going to take?
2: Uh, I'm gonna take Washington State. They've got a roughly 67% win probability in the model, so it wouldn't be shocking if Utah actually won this game. That's a you know, things that happen a third of the time are not crazy, but um I'll take Washington State in this game.
1: The one thing with Garter Minshew is he threw a lot of passes that hung his receivers out to try in the flat. Throw the ball down, young man. Like, don't don't throw it up. Yeah. It's just like, oh my gosh, like for the love of goodness, I hope that Cameron Smith isn't gonna take this guy's torso off. fortunately, he did not. He did have 15 tackles in the game though which is pretty impressive let's move on saturday at 4 30 p.m on nbc stanford is a four point dog at notre dame um let's talk about this stanford oregon game holy moses rick like Again, I, I fell asleep for the second half of this game, which was the best of the halves. Uh, I I watched Oregon just smack Stanford in the mouth in the first half. Their linebackers looked excellent. Their defensive line looked excellent. That passing game looked awesome. It looked like they actually had wide receivers on the team. And I wake up and go, holy goodness, so what happened? So what what turned this game around? And, and just just tell everybody who didn't watch what happened in this whole game.
0: Yeah, I mean, this game was just a, a fantastic game overall. You had two star quarterbacks really going at it. KJ Costello, nineteen of twenty-six for three hundred twenty-seven yards and three touchdowns for Stanford. Then on the other end, you have Justin Herbert going twenty-six of thirty-three for three hundred forty-six yards and a touchdown. Uh, so I, you know, just a classic quarterback battle going back and forth, and and really, you kind of got the feel that this was the game for the Pac-12 North. I mean, I know that Washington still really kind of factors into that. But, uh, you know, Stanford being able to get the win here, I think, really bodes well for them and their their prospects to to win in the Pac-12 North. And, you know, on top of all that, we get some fabulous free football. The game goes into overtime, uh, just kind of towards the end there. Um, K.J. Costello said, you know, in his interview, he said, that uh, he, he saw the tipped ball go into the air and his stomach dropped. He thought, you know, there's no way that this is going to happen. And then when his receiver comes down with the ball, he I just the 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 peaks and the ebbs and the flows of emotions. He said it's it's the most emotional game that he's ever played in, and to have that happen this early in the Pac-12 season was a real treat.
1: Huge win for Stanford. I totally agree with you, Rick. Uh, it, really, like Oregon looked good, and Stanford <laughs> like looked in the second half. Apparently, like they should. So what what did they do to come back? You know, I, I obviously, I think a lot of people, if you're on Twitter, you've seen that screenshot of the probability of Oregon winning at like 99% with two minutes left. Take that aside. What did uh, Stanford do to get back in this game? Because it looked like it was over at half.
0: Yeah, I think it was just kind of Costello stepping into to that leadership role. You know, that was one of the bigger questions that we had of the season at the beginning of the season was was KJ Costello going to be able to be that guy for Stanford? And th- this game I think proved that he is. You know, he had some some great receiving uh, numbers. JJ Arcego Whiteside just had a tremendous second half, four receptions, 84 yards, two of those touchdowns. Caden Smith contributed 95 yards on six reception. Uh, Colby Parkinson had a, a really good game as well. you know, with that touchdown, Stanford basically just continued to, to pound away and chip away at that Oregon defense. And you could tell that Oregon, um, you know, coming out of halftime was definitely riding the high, but they just weren't able to maintain that aggressiveness in the second half. And they let Stanford back into it. And, and, you know, you had some things happen kind of at the end of the game where, you know, there's some, some funny things going on. There's, uh, you know, some turnovers, happening and it's Pac-12 after dark man like there's only so <laughs> there's only so many things you can do to prepare for it and you know at the end of the day the better team usually comes out on top I think that's ultimately what happened here with Stanford.
1: Rob I, I'm, I'm so bummed that this game wasn't like one of the last games of the PAC 12 season, because it seems like these teams are going to be uh, improving over time. As long as knock on wood, there aren't any injuries, but still it was great to have so early and early in the day. Like it was great. Well, five o'clock heck. Yeah. I'm, I'm all in on this Kirk Street on the call. Uh, what were your general thoughts of this specific game? And is there anything that stood out for you that Rick didn't cover?
2: I think what really stood out for me was that our guest like last week was right. I mean, Stanford's offensive line cannot run block. Um, And I thought and I went back over the weekend, actually watched another Stanford game, uh, San Diego State game. And he was right. Like San Diego State wasn't loading up the box like Stanford just can't run block. Uh, And that was true in this Oregon game. I mean, Stanford, I mean, Bryce Love, like may regret coming back. He could have a tough year. Um, because as it is now, that line just cannot figure it out. Uh, and Oregon was not stacking the box. They were able to come in um, and just be able to, with their seven guys, uh, be able to usually beat Stanford in one-on-one battles and, and get love down in the backfield. But uh, KJ Costello, I mean, everybody's going to focus on Herbert. He's the hes the bigger pro prospect, and he had a terrific game, uh, taking exactly whatever Stanford gave him. But Costello had just a... Just awesome game. I mean, I just, I can't put into words like how great of a game it was watching him be able to put the ball on a line, throw deep. I mean, he had something like 12 yards per attempt. That's phenomenal. Um, Really pushed the ball down the field without having to throw any like over the top uh, passes where the safety would be coming in. I mean, it helps when you have every Stanford receiver tight end is at least like six, three or six, four, but um, Costello had a really, really good game. Um and the Stanford defense tightened it up. I mean, I I wouldn't say I would come away from it saying that I was really confident that they could stop Oregon whenever they needed to, but they tightened it up when they needed to and and you know got just enough to, you know, kind of pull momentum back from Oregon and, and, and win the game.
0: Did Rob, did you think that there was any any stronger guarantee in life after Oregon turned that ball over that KJ Costello was gonna drive down and score? No, that was going to happen. I mean, he was yeah, 100% right, like, as soon as as soon as the turnover happened, I was like, and we're going to overtime.
2: Yeah. There's uh, no like, doubt in my mind. Like he was completing like with ease like 15, 20-yard lasers to his tight ends and wide receivers.
1: That core is so fun to watch and then there was that one play where um I forget what, what down it was, but they needed a touchdown. And he just throws it up to J.J. Sega whiteside who just goes up and gets it. And of course, like I just laughed out loud, I'm like, of course, of course he's going to get that ball. Like There's no way that that, that corner is going to be able to knock him away. And uh, it is really fun to watch that. You know, the one thing that I don't know anything about is this Notre Dame team. I haven't watched a Notre Dame game. I don't know how good they are. Stanford is a four-point dog going in there. Uh, I, I might be putting you on the spot, Rob, but what do your numbers say about Notre Dame?
2: Uh, they like the Irish. Uh, so Notre Dame comes into this as the number 11 ranked team at beta rank. Uh, Stanford is number 17. Uh, Notre Dame has the number 33 ranked offense, the number three ranked defense. Their defense last year was lights out this year. Same. Um and their special teams is pretty good coming in at number forty eight. Um this Notre Dame team, I don't know that we've even perhaps seen the best of them yet, especially offensively. Um uh, but their defense is nasty. Um and Stanford's gonna have a, a yet another uh I feel like they got a little bit of a break against UC Davis, but yet another early season test.
1: <laughs> mm. I'm gonna take Notre Dame just based on that and, and based on the fact that Hithliday hit the nail on the head like you mentioned, Rob, where And we texted about this after the interview with him, which was excellent. And uh, we sent out a couple links to his stories. I mean, he breaks down game film. The guy knows what he's talking about, and he is is awesome. So uh, we'll do that a little bit more, particularly as Oregon... Moves forward in the Pac-12 season because they will be quite good this year. the The fact that that he said like I don't know this run blocking is trash and and I I think I texted you was like well you know that that's a take but but love hasn't been doing well and then to see that uh, really up front it was was quite it was great so uh, just based on the fact that Notre Dame has a nasty defense. And Stanford might have some trouble running the ball and might have to go one-dimensional. Give me Notre Dame. What do you think, Rick? Yeah,
0: and so not only is Notre Dame's defense uh, you know, totally awesome, uh, that that offense that you know we might have a question mark or two in is going to get a shot in the arm this week because it's projected that their best running back, Dexter Williams, is going to be back after missing the first four games. So I, I think Notre Dame's going to be able to run the ball really efficiently with him. And uh, I, I agree with all of you. I, as much as I'd like to see the Pac-12 represented well nationally, I think that uh, Notre Dame comes out on top on this
1: one. And there's the David Shaw factor like just on the road at Notre Dame. I'm just, I'm just throwing that out there.
0: That's David Shaw is going to David Shaw.
1: (laughs) (laughs) All right. Moving Saturday. We're getting to the nightcaps here. 7 PM PAC 12 network, Oregon state at Arizona state, Arizona state is a 22 point favorite in this game. And we already talked about uh, the Arizona state game. Let's talk a little bit more about the Arizona Oregon state game here. Um, like you say, Khalil Tate nine for 17, 152 yards, nine uh, nine yards per pass, which is pretty good. Two touchdowns. Had some drop passes. Is still is not able to run the ball. Four carries for negative nine yards. Uh, is likely hurt. Uh, his receivers, you know, Sean Poindexter, uh, four receptions for ninety-two yards. If you're not an Arizona fan, he's tall. He can get the ball. Uh, he's a good option to have. I think he's like six. What is he? Six five, six five or six six, something like that. Yeah. 6'6". Six, 6'6". Six. Six, six. He's a tall guy. Uh, Shun Brown had a touchdown, finally got him involved in the offense. He's a small water bug. Uh, the, the story of this game, though, and we won't go too much into it because if you're a part of Wildcat Radio, you already listened to it. If you're part of Pac-12 Radio, we're trying to cut down on the Arizona talk. The, the story of this day... Uh, this game against uh, Oregon State was that Arizona rushed the ball more than 400 yards. J.J. Taylor had 27 carries for 284 yards <laughs> and 10 and a half yards per carry. Like Oregon State just could not stop the run. And uh, I think this will be really interesting with Arizona State. Like, you know, Benjamin finally started to get it going on the road against Washington. I was really impressed with the numbers that he put up. Uh, Rob, let's go with you. What do your numbers say about this game? The, the Oregon State on the road at in Tempe against Arizona State.
2: Uh, Arizona State's got an 89% shot to win this game. So I'm, I'm not fussed about, you know, Arizona State's probably going to walk away with the win. That, that's a lot of points. I mean, it, it, it's roughly about a 19 point uh, is what that translates to, an 89% win probability. Um, it's it's kind of hard to pick this one. I think Oregon State's offense had a really bad week last week. I'm not trying to read too much into that. Uh, but Arizona State, I think. Their offense had a bad week last week, and I think they could be better than they've played, uh, particularly uh, as they played against Washington. So, geez, I I think I would take Arizona State in this game. I I think Manny Wilkins and Nikhil Harrier do after a really tough game up in Seattle.
1: Rick, I want to take Oregon State, but their lines are so terrible, just eternally terrible. They will be bad for at least another year. And it gives me a ton of pause to trust two terrible lines on the road at ASU. Do you have any faith in this Oregon State uh team in the trenches?
0: I have none. No, absolutely <laughs> none whatsoever. Um and so I I mean looking looking at it on paper like this, the, the obviously the spread gives you pause because Arizona state hasn't even scored 22 points in, in three of their games, four games so far. And uh, now, now they're projected to to win by more than 22. Um, but this, this Oregon state team just is not going to be able to stop anybody from scoring. I, I there's so many multitude of, there's, there's a multitude of ways that I think Arizona state can score on them. Uh, they, they've proven that they will at least put the foot on the throat against, uh, you know, inferior competition as far as UTSA was concerned. Um, and then this Oregon state team is going to have a little bit more trouble scoring on this Arizona state team, uh, which is really saying something. I, I think the Arizona state defense is just hands down better than the Arizona defense right now. And they were only able to manage uh, less than hundred yards of, of rushing offense against them. So it's not like they're going to be able to go out and run on this ASU defensive line. Um, so I have trouble seeing where Oregon state's going to score. But yeah, no, I think I I, I'm with Rob. I think ASU is just going to kind of use this as an opportunity to break out the bubbly on offense and and see what happens. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and give up all those points.
1: Oh, my gosh. Twenty two points. The one thing Oregon State has going for it is they have Carthaginian General Hamilcar Rashid Jr. and uh, he he will tear it up for that team. <laughs> um, gosh, twenty two points though, man. I uh, I I gotta. I'm taking all favorites right now, and this makes me really worried. And I normally don't do that. Uh, I actually was really confident last week with taking a lot of the dogs, and that did did not help out. I was two and two. Um, give me ASU, man. I I just I do not trust Oregon State to stop this pass rush um uh, the one thing to keep in mind is that they can run the ball oregon state i think jamar jefferson is good so if they put up points it's going to be on the ground but uh, i do think that they become one dimensional all right so give me asu moving on saturday oregon three and a half point favorite on the road against cal cal had the game off we already talked about oregon rob what do your numbers say about this game
2: so the model's still a little low on Oregon, um, even after their performance against Stanford. The model's kind of ding them for their special teams more than anything else. Um, it has this game as close to a toss-up. Um, really, it's got Cal is a slight favorite. I just think this is some early season data kind of screwing with things in the model. So uh, I'll I, I think Oregon is a lot better. Uh, I think their special teams are are holding them down a little bit, and I don't think it's gonna that's gonna be the case all season once we get more data in. So um, this Oregon offense, even as good as Cal's defense has been, Cal hasn't played a really serious offense yet. Um, North Carolina does not look great this in the early season. Um, BYU uh, again, like they they don't look like a great world-beating offense. So uh, I think. I think Oregon is going to be able to put up points almost at will at this game. Uh, And I I think that their defense, uh, who had a pretty good game against Stanford, I don't think that they're going to have a hard time with this Cal offense. This Cal offense often looks a little bit lost and befuddled.
1: Yeah, the one thing to keep in mind with Patrick Laird is that he's not good this year. (laughs) He was kind of like the, the <laughs> bell cow of that offense last year. That's almost the case with all Pac-12 teams. That's probably the one thing that we should have mentioned at the beginning of the podcast is the fact that like nobody in this conference can basically run the ball, and uh, Cal included. It'll be really interesting to see. You know, they've been a team that has been the surprise, like sweetheart story of the Pac-12. It just doesn't seem like they're going to be able to. to carry that into a game against an Oregon team that looks like they have it together. What do you think, Rick?
0: Yeah. Don't let that hashtag in that number in front of California. fool you. Um, I, this is really kind of like why Wisconsin's the worst right now because you know, they're, they're a huge X factor right now. The way that the top 25 is, is sitting right now with, with them losing to BYU, all of a sudden California beating BYU looks a lot better, which sneaks yeah. them into the top 25. But, you know, it's it's still so early in the season that you can't really have those kind of uh, uh, thoughts in your head when you're we're, when we're trying to place good, smart, solid bets. And this Oregon team is going to score a lot of points against this Cal team. So, um, I don't know, you could probably make it two touchdowns for me and I'd still take Oregon. I think that this game is going to be a blowout.
1: Yeah, I'm going to take Cal. I'm sorry, I'm going to take Oregon too. Gosh, all favor. I hate that. I know it. I hope that I win like six of these games or five of these games. If I go five and five, taking all favorites, I'll, I'll feel great. Um, Last game of the night, the nightcap Saturday, 730 ESPN two. USC, a struggling USD USC on its heels. USC that gave up 40 something points to Washington state goes into Tucson, the old Pueblo against Arizona. Arizona is a three and a half point dog at home. Beware of the home dogs. We already talked about both of these games. Let's talk about matchups here and uh, let's talk about the numbers as well. So Rob, what are your numbers? say? So this game has gotten
2: closer as the season's gone on and USC has basically not played very well, but they still come in as roughly a 63% uh, favorite and win probability in this game. Um, Arizona's defense looks a little better in the model after last, uh, last week. So they come in at 71. Uh, the offense is at 20 USC, the offense uh, came up a little bit after last week. Um, good performance by JT Daniels certainly helps. But coming in at 26, the defense is still looking very good at number nine. Uh, did not get dinged too much for uh, Gardner Minshew throwing all over them because the model actually thinks Gardner Minshew going to throw over a lot of people. I think I think USC is maybe getting a little underrated a bit in this game. Um They were able, like I said, uh, to run the ball fairly effectively. They just chose not to do it last week. Uh, Arizona's off defense has not really shown that they're going to be able to stop the run yet uh, against a team like USC. So I think uh, if USC starts to to struggle in this game, they're going to default back to what they did last year, which is salt the game away by running the football. Mm. And I I also say I don't think Tate's ankle is healthy. Rick, we
1: all – Arizona always plays USC close and always loses (laughs) three and a half points. Uh, But three and a half points with this offensive line, with this defensive line uh, and three and a half points with a freshman quarterback on the road again. Uh, I got to take USC, but talk me out of this here.
0: I don't know if I can, Brian, I, you know, I, I saw the line and my jaw dropped. I, cause I think the line originally opened at something like two points and, and, you know, eventually kind of studied out at three and a half. And I was like, what does Vegas know that, that we don't at this point? Because just looking at these two teams on paper, I I feel like USC does a lot of things really well that Arizona doesn't do well. And and I don't see where Arizona kind of has that, that X factor, other than, you know, it being at home in a, a fantastic home crowd where, where they can pull away. Now, if Khalil Tate had been looking like Khalil Tate all year, yeah, absolutely. But like Rob said, we don't know how healthy his ankle is. We, we haven't seen him used in this, this offense um, the way that he's traditionally been used in the past. So I, I'm struggling a little bit to, to see where Arizona is going to be able to keep it this close. I'm going to do the happiness. Thing right, you know, bet against Arizona, and if they win, great, I'm happy. Um, And if 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 they lose, then hey, I made some money.
1: I think the scenario here is for an Arizona win is JT Daniels gets rattled, uh, can't you know he zeroes in on Amon Ross St. Brown, but who's going to cover him for Arizona? But you know, (laughs) zeroes in on him and and starts making bad passes and. And SC's run game isn't what SC's run game has been in the past, and I still don't believe it is. So I could see a scenario where USC just can't put up a ton of points, but is Arizona going to be able to run – on this defense, I think teams have so far. I mean, UNLV even did. Uh, they were able to, to kind of shred them a little bit until USC figured it out. So I, I do think there's a scenario where Arizona could win this game. I just don't think it's going to happen. So uh, give me SC. And Rob, did you take SC also? Yeah, I did. Okay. All right. Well, let's get into our contest here. We have two contests going. We have the, uh, the Survivor Pool contest. And almost everybody made it out alive except for four people Sierra Conger the lawn wranglers Lil Buff and Davis Bunting two people didn't get in their picks Davis Bunting Oregon what are you doing picking Oregon in a close game and Washington State at USC was a terrible decision You all will be missed. We look forward to seeing you next year. Rest in peace. (laughs) Rick, does that always make you awkward?
0: Uh, It's it's the most awkward part of my weekend, every weekend. (laughs) But but I I love you for it. You keep doing you, man.
1: (laughs) Uh, the other contest we have is, uh, so actually I should mention, 46 players left. Uh, only two people didn't submit their picks this week. So if you did uh, and I didn't get them, let me know. I can put you back in the contest, but you got to show me uh, proof, the two people that didn't. Um, so 46 left. I, I thought somebody was going to get tore. I mean, a lot of people took Arizona, and I was like, I don't know about that. And Washington looked a little bit tentative, but uh, everybody basically pulled it out. So get those picks in. You can send them to wildcatradioaz at gmail.com, or you can tweet them at wildcatradioaz. The other contest we're doing is the Run the Gauntlet contest, and if you didn't enter last week, you still can. Um, Basically, the idea is you get to pick the games against the spread and challenge a member of our team, mono-e-mono, against the spread, and basically, if we eliminate you, you're out. If if you beat... Uh, if you beat us, then you get to move on and challenge another host. And if you beat all six hosts, uh, we will get you a really, really sleazy prize. It'll be awesome. Uh, I'm, I'm still trying to figure out what it is. But just know, if you're in this contest or if you join it and you win, you will get something awesome. Um, so I, I want to give a shout-out So Rick Balls calling your shot. You said that you were going to make a big comeback. I think you are 5-1 in the last two weeks. You eliminated both the people that that challenged you. Tiny Joshy uh, went 2-2, two for two and the height of excellence went 2 Two for two, Rick. You went three for one. How's it feel to just be slashing throats here at, at Wildcat Radio?
0: You know what I mean. I called my shot at the beginning of the year. I told you all I just had a terrible first week because I wanted to bait people into picking me. In this week, <laughs> I wanted I wanted blood on my hands, man, and and I did not disappoint. Josh Worthington, one of my longtime best friends, decided to go up against me, and I cut his head off. Brian, <laughs> it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> okay what 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 do you think what do you think i'm going to do to strangers who challenged me on the internet. It's uh, we, we've only scratched the surface.
1: <laughs> yeah. And you had the only two eliminations. So there were 13 entries this week. Uh, Josh lost and Josh called foul. He said he was three and one. He's not, I went back and checked. So Josh, if you're listening, you did not, you did not go three and one. Uh, the height of excellence is out. There were a couple people who, uh, ended up not the lot of ties. There's only four games this week. So a lot of ties, but a shout out to uh Gronky Kong, which is a great name. Uh, Who went four and oh, flawless victory, challenged Adam and he advances. So you got five left, Gronky Kong. Um, I went two and two. I had three challenges and Nora 33 went three and one. She advances. So shout out to Nora 33. And Rob, man, you're, you're, you're bringing us all down here. You had two challenges from Freeball and Murray, which is, uh, with Tyler Murray from the Freeball and Podcast and OC Wildcat Joey. Uh, flawless victory for free ball and he went four and oh uh, I think he was wanting to go up against your numbers because he has a he has a system too on his head <laughs> and uh OC uh, Wildcat Joey went three and one they both advanced so we had four advances uh two eliminations if you tie um, you, you, uh, you basically have to, to re-challenge that host at some point. You can challenge somebody else, but you don't advance by defeating that host. You just advance and you'll have to defeat them at some other point. And if you want to enter the contest, wildcatradioaz.com is our website. We have the big, uh, uh, banner up there. It's the run the gauntlet contest and you can actually insert your picks online. So it's super easy. It takes like three seconds. Um, so definitely check it out. But Rob, what's going on, man? Oh, and two.
2: I went two and two, which is the same that you went. I might add. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: I got the oh, I I got the bad eight seed, you know, in the NCAA tournament, the team that always uh, looks like they're good but they suck. And you got the you got the feisty twelve seeds, basically taking you well, out with
2: with only four games. I mean, like like. It's. I was thinking about that. Like, it's, it's a good shot. Like, if you want to take, if you wanted to take somebody out, like, this is a good week to do it because they're with. Uh, you just get lucky and somebody goes right by you. <laughs> so, basically, I really should. I should not have picked. I should not have gone with Jake Browning. I regretted that as soon as I. As soon as the game started, I was like, "Oh man, I'm relying on Jake Bryan's, Browning's noodle arm to get me through this." That that was the one that I labored on too, and the only one
0: that I got wrong. is I was sitting there and I was looking at 18 points, and I was just like it's ah, a lot of points.
1: <laughs> and uh, t- uh looking at everybody else so uh rick you went three and one rick Denice went three and one rick denise still winning by the way i think he's 18 and 12 like he he is just a machine uh everybody else on the podcast went two and two so nobody embarrassed themselves in the sense of going uh under 500 so get those picks in there'll be a lot more games to pick which will be fun so uh, hopefully a lot of more eliminations i hope, I hope pu- rick punches your face in and uh, because i can't do it on my own <laughs> and a lot of people advancing to so uh, get those picks in Any anything else we should cover guys it's a little bit of a long podcast but I think it was a good one.
2: No I think we, we covered the entire conference plus BYU and Notre Dame <laughs> <laughs> nice good for us
1: man that's what you get here. Uh, again, t- uh, tell your friends about the podcast. We'd certainly appreciate it. Tune in. We're Again, we're doing this every Monday uh, through bowl season, and we'll even do our bowl previews, which will be fun. We uh, we do this, this huge written preview that will be up on Wildcat Radio AZ. Guys, thanks for coming, and uh, we will catch you next week.
0: I need a cigarette.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that was a long one. give me one moment guys I gotta move my car <laughs> I'm like blocking All right. thank you no that's fine um give me give me like two seconds sorry I'm like blocking the, the... long story
0: <laughs> I mean we should totally keep this part in <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> the lengths we go to to record for you
1: oh my gosh <laughs> and I'm in like the middle of
0: like...
2: I'm in an Uber and I'm driving <laughs>
1: was uh that was definitely the wall we might leave that part in Back <laughs> fact it just backed into a wall
0: <laughs> are you in a rental? uh no oh
1: bummer uh, oh my gosh so this i can't even okay. bear with me here um i'm in <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> so how's the family rob <laughs>